0: Welcome to The Resonance, the podcast about the energy industry from Alpha Energy Group.
1: Hello and welcome to an Alpha podcast. I'm Jeremy Nicholson, Corporate Affairs Officer at Alpha Energy, and I'm joined today by our Chairman, Chairman of Alpha Energy Group, John Hall, and Wayne Bryan, Director of European Gas Research at Refinitiv. Welcome to you both. And the, we're going to be talking about uh, the extraordinary events in the oil and gas markets, Uh Unprecedented prices, volatility, negative prices indeed. What's going on? John, what's your take on the uh, extraordinary events in the oil market?
2: Well, for the first time ever, the uh, price of WTI, the um, US um, crude, went negative. It's probably trading at um, less than uh, $45 a barrel. So that means really, if you want to take the oil away, you can, you get paid for taking it. This was unprecedented. Um, Over the Easter weekend, OPEC met under a certain amount of pressure from uh, Donald Trump, and they agreed to cut by 9.7 million barrels a day. That is something like 10% of the average requirement for this time of year. However, demand is down 35%, and therefore that won't be nearly enough to cover the deficit in the oil market. As a consequence, the price of TI went negative, and the price of Brent today I think is down close
1: to around about $15 a barrel. Wayne, I mean, I gather similar similar, um, effects, perhaps not quite as drastic, or maybe they are, are occurring in the gas market right now. Is that right?
0: Well, indeed, yeah. I mean, they are actually as drastic if you look at some of the numbers. Um, We look at the UK day ahead. uh, It's at an all-time record low um, this morning. Uh, It's currently trading around less than 10 pence a therm, which we've never seen before. I think the closest we ever got to this was, I think, 11.98 pence per therm. And that was just in the aftermath of the global financial crisis in 2008. So similar story in the European gas market. And the TTF is uh, trading at around five euros on the day ahead. Again, these are levels we've never seen before. And if you forward that onto the rest of the curve, you can pick up May gas for 13 pence. Even winter now is uh, 32 pence and next summer is already less than 30 pence. So the demand destruction and oversupply at the moment uh, is is really destroying the curve. And we don't really see how um, we can balance the gas market this summer, uh, barring some production production or supply side uh, changes.
1: so presumably for for consumers business energy users if you are in if your business is still running as a, anything approximating normal and you are consuming gas there's some there's some bargains to be had out there but uh, um, you know very difficult trading conditions i guess guess for others and that will be scant consolation for those who are, you know, furloughing staff and, and shutting factories at the moment. Uh, does this, does it look like this this um, effect is going to continue, uh, so far as we know, for for months and and the rest of the year? What does the longer term prospect look like?
0: Um, well, for us, we're we, we're looking at this summer, but also looking further along from that. And if you read some of the reports uh, coming out over the past few days, and also we were talking about this is the uh, the potential second wave. Um, We've seen uh, an uptick in cases in South Korea. Um, And I think listening, I was listening to something yesterday and and one of the guys was saying that what what needs to be done moving forward to really minimize uh, the long-term effects of COVID is to do lots of testing, tracing and treating. As soon as we see the social distancing measures eased and lockdowns restricted, uh, we should see some demand return. But bear in mind that the current social distancing measures affect around 92% of global GDP. So the effects are clear for everyone to see. So, and still we start seeing an easing and a slowing of cases. I think we're gonna be in this position for at least another couple of months, and then we'll, we'll still be feeling the effects into next year.
1: And as far as producers are concerned, it's tempting to think that, you know, well, you've got a price signal, the prices are low uh, in the wholesale markets, possibly even negative. Surely the producers would just turn down their production. But it's not always as simple as that. John, in in, in the oil market, um, it takes time, doesn't it, to adjust just production. And in the meantime, inventories can become oversupplied. Uh, What what are the constraints on the industry, whether it's the fracking part or the traditional OPEC producers in the Middle East? How fast can they respond?
2: Well, what's happening at the moment is the OPEC and Russian uh, consortium have said they're going to cut output from the 1st of May. In the meantime, they're pumping as much as they can. They're flooding the market. The real issue we have, say, in Texas, is there's not really anywhere left to store the oil. So producers are are still producing too much in Texas. They're still producing too much everywhere. They've got nowhere else to put it. Donald Trump wants to put some oil into the SPR but he needs the money to do it. And I guess the Democrats are probably gonna block that when he tries to put it forward. They've got room for a little bit more oil, but not a lot. But in the moment, you've got tankers of oil sitting around with nowhere to go. Saudi sent off a tanker the other day. Again, it has nowhere to go. So the world is absolutely awash with oil. And looking ahead, we don't quite know when the situation is going to end. As Wayne was talking about just now, a second wave of uh, COVID may come through. And this is down to whether we come out of lockdown sooner or later. In China, there's been a new outbreak of the COVID. Having tried to come out of lockdown, they're now areas going to have to go back in again. There are issues in Singapore, there are issues in Saudi Arabia, and there are issues all over the place now. No one actually knows when this is going to end. So the reality of it is that oil is floating around, people are still producing the stuff, no one's looking to buy it.
1: And Wayne, I I imagine that the, you know, the events in the in the gas market that must to some degree feed through into electricity, where I gather demand is uh, similarly down. Is that right?
0: Yes, indeed. You've seen, uh, I think, demand from the gas sector has fallen over 30 percent. And Mm. also, if you look at industrial demand, I mean, depending on what you look at, I think that's that's down around 10 percent. So, yeah, we can see a continuation of that. But also some of the the gas demand that we've seen of late has been has been curbed also by very strong renewables. Um, We've had solar and wind contributing between them around 50, 50, 60% uh, of UK needs over the last few days. So that's also been curbing it. And at the moment, the skies are still clear and the wind's still blowing. So the the demand from the power sector really has uh, fallen off a cliff. Uh, Indeed, we've
1: seen, we've seen we've seen negative within day prices uh, in the UK uh, power market precisely because of that. Although that doesn't that doesn't feed through onto customer bills directly. Uh, unfortunately, <laughs> for those who, have, uh, the, the fixed costs are, are, are still there. But are, um, but Wayne, are there going to be some longer term consequences? I mean, accepting we don't know how long the the lockdown situation is going to going to last and how many uh, iterations are going to be required. But you know, deferral of maintenance and this sort of thing is that yeah. going to be an Issue for the industry in in the medium term?
0: Yes, that's another thing that's really um, exacerbated the oversupply concerns this summer. Um, We've already seen several maintenances pushed from this summer uh, into Q1 next year. Some maintenance on Norway and UK have been shortened. Um, And again, this is due to the fact that the availability of operating staff um, is quite erratic at the moment. People can't really get to the sites. And also, again, the social distancing measures. And again, that's we're seeing that in LNG with some buyers uh, in force majeure. And that's another reason for the oversupply. The expected LNG increase into the summer this year is about 4.5 BCM. Um, and again, how do we absorb that? Like I mentioned before, we're looking at how we're going to balance this. Um, and it's the case of with the major producers of Norway and Russia, uh, and obviously the LNG, one of them has to, has to blink first. We looked at this previously and we've seen Norway have already started easing flows into the UK um, as a result. So some commercial reductions are already happening. The Russians are continuing to send gas uh, in line with recent highs. And again, I think they're more interested in market share. And US LNG, a lot of people are talking about. Um, now, yesterday, for the, fir- for the first time in 10 years, actually, the UK... Front month gas is now one of the cheapest in the world and we're cheaper than Henry Hub. What that will do is it will incentivize shut-ins of distressed cargos. Now, most of the US LNG exported into Europe is on a long-term contract basis. So 90% of the volumes have already been sold into the market. So they will come. But the additional 10%, uh, we think they'll be shut in. So the impact for the LNG, uh, US LNG, actually is quite minimal. Um, so it looks like it will come down to uh, to Norway to start easing production, we forecast the floor around six euros where the producer pain point begins. We're already below that at the moment. So I think over the next few days, uh, we might see further uh, commercial flexing from equino
1: Thanks. So that's that's fascinating. So I suppose, at least in the short term, if there is a glimmer of a silver lining for consumers and particularly industrial gas users, we've got some very competitive industrial gas prices here in the UK. For those that are in a fortunate position to still be uh, running running their businesses anything like normal. Back to the oil market, John. Um, what's your take on this? Some, sometimes people people assume that OPEC are in control, or OPEC plus Russia is. But it, it seems to me that we're in we're in you know to use that overused phrase uncharted territory here. Does anyone have market control? What what is going to enable stability to return, or will it?
2: Well, the real issue here is that OPEC with Russia probably accounts for forty five percent of world oil production they have cut by 9.7 million barrels a day. The producers of the other 55% have not done a great deal. Now, America produces 20% of the world's oil requirement every year, and so far is resisting calls to cut. All they're saying is, because of the uh, lockdown, because of the the loss in demand, we're probably going to be down a couple of million barrels a day. They're not making a a, a decisive cut at all. Uh, Norway, others, Brazil, could actually say, this is what we're going to do. But no one's actually stepped in and said, we're going to support this OPEC deal. Trump talked about 20 million barrels a day off the market. They need to take 30 to 35 million barrels a day out of the market. And OPEC can go so far, but it's not going to go any further. And then it's it's already agreed to cut for the next two months, the May and June, In July, that cut figure goes down by two million barrels a day. The real issue here is nobody actually knows when recovery is going to come back. So we can all pontificate on what we think is going to happen. No one actually knows at the moment. But certainly for the foreseeable future, you're going to find the world is awash with oil. Now, gasoline demand is down. Producers are making gasoline, refiners are producing gasoline in the U.S. The driving system is not gonna happen this summer because too many Americans are out of work. They can't afford to drive their cars anyway. So demand for gasoline is down 70%. And it may be great to say, we can have cheap gasoline around the world. When did we all last drive our cars? Hmm. One issue I'm not sure we have covered is that in industrial contracts, you have a take or pay clause. How is the take or pay clause coming out for industrial consumers who are down 25-30%, what are the suppliers doing to them in that respect?
1: Indeed, that's another aspect of, uh, of contracting and the risk there for, for consumers, a number of whom are going to be, uh, you know, re under their contracts uh, in an attempt to get to get around some of these problems as, as we speak. But I think it's a good point on which to conclude. Um, as you said, uh, no one really knows. You know, there's an area of expertise on this and, and you both have contributed to it. But we certainly are in unknown territory and likely to remain so for a while to come. So thank you both for your insights. Uh, fascinating. If you'd like further information on this or to see our reports, please visit our website alphaenergygroup.com forward slash UK and we hope you join us for a podcast again soon.